Yo, what's good, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of the B Ball Jones Podcast. Of course, I am B Ball Jones, and of course, wait, that is Nelson Aston. He is the reigning defensive player of the year, the Beach Bell Conference. Man, what's up? What's going on, bro? How you doing? I can't complain, man. I can't complain, man. Just pushing through life that, you know, like everybody else. Man, I feel that, man. Trying, trying to finish this schoolwork and jog over here, man. Of course, man. You can't beat uh, bet, the Bat Peach Brown Conference without finishing your schoolwork, man. No, you're absolutely right. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> but. But yeah, man. Let's go ahead and get into it today, man. So, uh, we kind of touched on this before about how we touched on it multiple times actually about how the game has changed, man. But um, today I really want to take a, a, a deeper dive into it about how the game has changed. So, uh, for me personally, man, like, of course, I'm a 90s baby, you're a 90 baby too, but you know, I'm a little bit older. But for me personally, I got into the game when I, when I was born, um, Jordan was a Birmingham Baron, a baseball player. So, the game was a little different than, you know, a lot of people talk about the game and how it is. Not the diss Jordan, but that's just kind of what I came into. And so mm-hmm. for me, early 2000s, when I really started kind of really getting into it for myself, and a little bit later on, I really started to develop, you know, an understanding for the game. Not just knowing the game, but an understanding of it, man. So um, that's just kind of like the starting point, the genesis of, for me, how I got into basketball. And so from – the late nineties, early two thousands to right now, twenty twenty two, is is almost two different products out there, man. So we're just gonna get into how the game has changed, really, you know, in about twenty years for the most part, give or take a few years. But um, mm. so tell me, man, for you personally, what was your beginning into the game of basketball, man? What got you into the game, and how, in your eyes, is the game being played back then? Uh. Well, you you kind of said you're a little bit older than me, so but when I I was born in '99, so when I came into the world, you know, Jordan was on his way out, you know, clearly. And then by the time I was old enough to know what was going on, he he wasn't in the league no more. So I I've never seen Jordan play. But uh, my first real memories of basketball of NBA basketball. Was really like the 08, 09 Boston Celtics around that time. Like mm-hmm. the Celtics and the Lakers, and the, the, that three year span of them going to the finals. Uh, that's like my first real like members of basketball. I was like eight, seven, eight when that was happening. Cause, uh, and you know, KG, my favorite player, one of my favorite players all the time. So that's that had that's part of what you know, that has part of what to do with that. Cause, them OA Celtics used to be my team. Like, that was my team. I was a big Celtics fan back then, but mostly because of KG. So, but that, that team, Rondo, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, KG, Kendrick Perkins, Big Baby Davis coming off the bench, you know, that was my team back in them days. So, that was my first real memories of, of basketball, for real, for real. And then – um before that, I mean, not before that, and then other than them, it was, uh, you know, the Lakers on the other side because they feel like they were the two biggest teams at the time. So, them, like, the two teams I remember the most, obviously. 
And, you know, they had Kobe, Pau Gasol, uh, Lamar Odom around this time. Uh, Derek Fisher was still there. Andrew Bynum. Back when Andrew Bynum was one of the better bigs in the league. Uh, yeah, them really was my first memories of basketball. So, them, them two, when they was like the two powerhouses in the league, that was, that's like the first thing I remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a little bit older, and I got into the game a little bit sooner than you. So my first memories of the game were, you know, Kobe and Shaq with the three-peat, you know, because that's mm-hmm. – that was around five, six. Yeah, I was like five, six, and seven those years when they won. And so, you know, I'm coming to basically my, my birth into basketball, for real, for real, is Kobe and Shaq are untouchable. Like, you you just – that's the that's – the, you ain't no, nobody messing with them. So that's what got me into being a Kobe fan, because Kobe was on top of the world. You feel me? Shaq was cool, but I'm I'm a little I'm a little I'm a kid, bro. I'm not gonna be seven one. My mind, I'm thinking seven one, seven two. So six six seems a lot more realistic to me. Mm-hmm. Seeing how I'm still not six six, I'm just like ah whatever. But he's a guard, so Kobe um, was way more attainable and relatable than a seven one mountain that. Could just pummel through everybody, man. So, uh, Cobble was my guy, man. And you know, uh, just knowing how the Spurs were so untouchable, especially in the uh, the, before the 2010s, like the whole 2020s, it was just like Lakers winning championship, Spurs winning championship every couple years. Somebody from the east, like the Pistons won in one year, uh, in 04, the Heat won in 06, um, Celtics won in 08. Besides that, it was like Lakers and Spurs pretty much. Oh, this is what it feels like. I might be right on that. Like that. So I'm or close to it. So it was just Spurs and Lakers for the oh, Mavs winning in 11. So it's like Spurs and Lakers just dominating the NBA pretty much during the early 2000s. So that's kind of what my, you know, beginning stages of basketball were, man. So um, when, when I think about how the game was growing up, bro, it's – it's not like a whole world of difference between then and now, but there is a some big drastic changes, man. So um for you personally, for you, you got about like a 10 year gap, a little bit more, but 10, 15 years. So from like 08 to you know 20 10, 11, I think the last time they won. Mm-hmm. Um like us had that little run. What do you see the changes were specifically from the game from 08, you know, 2010s, early 2010s to now, like overall the game, man, with the, the league and how stuff is? What do you see like the biggest changes are? Like top three, maybe. Uh, top three. Well, you know, I, you know, the obvious one is, you know, the three-point shooting and the spacing. Like now, you know, everybody got to be able to make a shot at least standing still. If you can't make a shot, you got to be a lot down the fence. Or like really big, like a big, big. So and even the big, big sometimes got to be able to make a mini. So that's like the obvious one. Uh, number two, I would say the big. <laughs> like you know, the back then, you know, like we mentioned, it was them them teams that was powerhouses. They all had dominant bigs. Like the Spurs had Tim Duncan, and during their time. Lakers had Shaq and Kobe, so yeah, Shaq. And then once Shaq was gone, by the time when they got back around to being on top again, they had Andrew Bynum, who was in the you know who was in talks of being like he he was a top five center in the league. 
at the time. Mm-hmm. And then Pau Gasol, top five power forward in the league at the time. So you know, you you can count either one of them, you know. But you know, you had to have a solid beat. And then you know, the Celtics had KG, uh, top five power forward in the league, probably number two behind Tim Duncan. Powell might have been number three behind KG. So it's funny that all three of those teams that was like running the early 2000s had a dominant B. And then, you know, the Pistons snuck one in there, but they had Ben Wallace. The Mavericks snuck one in there. They had Dirk Nowitzki, you know. So back in them days, you had to have a dominant B. Like mm-hmm. if you didn't have somebody that could control the paint, score in the paint, and defend the other team's big man, the big man, uh, you probably wasn't gonna be very far. Get very far. You wasn't gonna be a contender. So, yeah. them was like the biggest things. And then, uh, what would I say is the third biggest change? Third biggest change, I would say, uh, probably scoring point guards. Since mm-hmm. then, since then days, like point guards wasn't scores back then. They could score. They had the ability to score. Like if you could get to the rack, yeah, get to the rack. You know, float it, whatever you. You could do that, but now point guards is like scores. Like you better guard, <laughs> or they yeah. will give you thirty. You know, like with you know there was uh you know scoring point guards existed back then, but you know there was few and far between. Between you know you had your Allen Iversons, you had your Gilbert Arenas's, you had your um uh, let me think of another one. You had uh, so I wouldn't Stephen need- Marbury. Yeah, Marbury. Yeah, you go Marbury. Francis. Yeah, Steve Francis is another one. Yeah, so but scoring point guards few and far between. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. In the early 2000s, or really the whole 2000s era was point scoring yeah. point guards was few and far between. It wasn't until like the D Roses of the world came along where we start seeing the uber athletic point guards that can that can get downhill, that can you know that might could dunk on you. Stuff like that. And then you start seeing, you know, Derrick Rose and then John Wall and then Russell Westbrook, guys like that come along that could get downhill on anybody. And then, you know, of course, Steph Curry came along and now you got real, real scoring point guards. Like, they can pull it from deep. They ain't got to get to the right. They can shoot it from anywhere. So then you get your Steph Currys, your Dame Lillards, your Trey Youngs. You know, the game didn't have them back in the day. Mm-hmm. So – those are probably the three biggest things I would say. Uh, of course, the shooting and spacing of the game. The bigs of, of today is much different than the bigs of, you know, those days. And then the point guards. I feel like everything in, in between is still kind of the same. You know, you got scoring guards. You got facilitators, you know, defenders, all that. So shooting guards, small force, power force, they kind of still doing the same things in different ways. You know, you they got to be able to shoot better, but – they still, you know, playing simple roles. But point guards scoring now. You got to guard mm-hmm. a point guard. Like, you can't let him go crazy. He, he might – point guards in the league almost on every team that could give you 30 on any given night. And then you got bigs who's stretching the floor, who's shooting, who might put it on the deck, all that. So, them, I would say them are the three biggest changes from, from back in them days that yeah, I see. I, I got – yeah, I got to agree. I can't really um... – yeah, I think with like you said with the bigs, man. Like back in the day, you had to have a twin towers. Like you, mm-hmm. you were doing something wrong if you didn't have two seven footers on the floor. Like you had to have a Pal Gasol and an Andrew Bottom, both like seven foot seven one. You had to have mm-hmm. a KG and a Perkins, both like 
probably was like 16, 6, 11, you know, but KG seven foot, you know, you had to have, cause it kind of go back to what you were saying before, man. Like if you didn't have a guy who could score, you had to have somebody who could stop the guy who could score. And so, like you said, the dominant teams had the Tim Duncan as a scorer, but yeah, he played defense on the other end too, but you didn't want him so consumed with defense the whole time. So you would have a, a he had so many centers like a uh, Oberto, Nazir Muhammad, uh, Kurt Thomas. He had so many other guys playing with him. But you have your focal guy, like the, the superstar, big, and you would have an almost assistant role playing big. So you flip it around to where, let's say it's KG versus Dirt and KG versus Tim Duncan. You ain't finna have them going head to head the whole time. You finna have Kurt Thomas guarding KG, and you'll have Perk. Guard and Tim Duncan. So you had the, the twin towers kind of uh switching roles like that. So that's kind of how it was for me growing up. Then you had mm-hmm. to have um, like you said, the scoring guards. Like, you know, it wasn't necessarily that the guards back in the day couldn't score, they weren't allowed to score because once again you had to work inside out. So mm-hmm. yeah, you can shoot, that's cool. Shoot after he get his touch. If he ain't got a touch, then he kick a bet out, then you score. So the ball had to work inside out. So Tony Parker, for example, a great scoring guard. He could have put up 30 back in the day. But the way the system was set up with the game, he was only allowed to get 18, 22 points on average. But he had to have six, seven assists because the ball had to go through Tim Duncan's hands and uh, uh, David Robinson's hands back in the day. So, yeah, you score your little points after they get their 20. So wherever the bread comes you get left at the table, that's what you get. So that's kind of how most point guards were back in the day. But the one change I will add that you didn't say is that the tweener became a, a thing. So back in the day, it was it was a uh, it was almost a curse mark for you to be an undefined role player. Like if we know we put you as a two or a three. Do we put him as a three or a four? So Draymond Green getting drafted where he was back in two thousand, he would have been out the league in two seconds because we didn't know where to put him. Do we play him at three? Or do we play him at the four? Like I don't I don't know. He playing five ball today, so he definitely wouldn't been fit back in. Like, who he ain't guarding Shaq. So it's like, what are you doing here, bro? So, so it's like the twinner back then was a as a no go. Like that was a curse mark to where we didn't know what to put him as. Do we put him as a three or a four? Uh, we'll try him out. It doesn't work. He's out the league. Give him get his contract <laughs> up and he gone. So back in the day, it was it was a oof. You did not want to be labeled as a twinner. But now a twenty is a blessing, but you gotta have a twenty. Like you want to have a Draymond Green. Draymond Green is the is the foundation of a lot of guys following what we got now. Blessing. Thank you. But um, that's one thing I will add. A twenty became a huge part of the game. Um, I won't say Draymond caused it, but he played a big role into it. We talked about it before with another episode uh, with uh, Boris Diaw. I was like, God, man. Boy, uh, Dial. Well, it's tough, man. <laughs> so guys like him paved the way for Draymond Green to come through that. Boris Dial was basically 6'8", 6'9". He was a small full power forward, but he handled the ball like he was a point guard. He basically ran the offense sometimes for the Spurs. So yes. it's basically like, what do you like? He was a twin nigga, but nobody knew how to put him until he got with the Spurs for real, for real. And the Suns worked him in too, but. Uh, the twenty was the, was another big shift from back in the end, back in the day to now that is totally different. That really uh, left the impact on the game. So back in the day, it was a curse mark to be a twenty. Now it's a blessing to have a twenty. So 
that's one more thing I wanted to add to you know what you were saying. No, nah, that's that's big. That's facts. I didn't think about that. Me and the t- yeah, there was no such thing as a tweener back then. Like if you got stuck between two positions, and the worst thing that could happen is if you was getting stuck between two positions and they had somebody really good at one of them. So now it's yep. like you better figure out how to be a three. <laughs> Cause like let's say Draymond Green get drafted to the Spurs in their times, and they got Tim Duncan, and they like, ah, oh, we don't know where to put him at three or the four, three or the four. Then they put him at the three because Tim Duncan at the four. You ain't finna replace Tim, like Tim the man. Then it's like, okay, we put him at the three. Ah, uh, he can't handle the ball. He can't shoot. Ah, uh, nah, he can't be no three. All right, do we put him at the four and move Tim to the five? Ah, uh, Tim said he don't like playing the five. All right, well, we ain't gonna worry about Draymond. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, it was yep. really bad. Like, it was really bad. So you had to be a position. You had to be somebody. Like you was a a point, you was a shooting guard, you was a small forward, whatever you was gonna be, you better be that. Like yep. you ain't caught in between, you better be good. Like you better be good. Like you was you was right though. Board D out like crawl so Draymond can walk. Because yeah, they the Spurs, but you know, they kind of in similar situations, like the Spurs was a great fit for him and the way they play, because they moved the ball, they ain't, you know, everybody was gonna touch it, everything, you know, they still trying to play through Tim. But everybody touched the ball, you know. So that was a system that Boris. And mm-hmm. then, you know, Draymond get drafted to the Warriors. He's surrounded by the best shooters in the league, and they spacing the floor. He a good facilitator, a good uh, decision maker. That's the best spot for him. So they both just, you know, ended up in great situations for each other. But they really showed the league. Like, D- Boris Diaw and them at the time kind of showed the league what could happen if you let a be Like, even though he a quote-unquote B, like he's not a, a guard at all. If he can handle the ball and make good decisions, he can make your offense better if you play with him the right way, if you use him the right way. So they yeah. got, like I said, he kind of crawled so Draymond can walk. So you made an excellent point. I didn't think about that. So mental toughness is one of the biggest things that I know pretty much every coach preaches to the players. And also one of the biggest factors in a player's game is the mental toughness. So um, I know that a lot of coaches wish their players would be mentally tougher and they struggle with teaching them and understanding you know what mental toughness is to apply it to the game so to help you guys out i wrote a whole ebook breaking down what mental toughness is different factors that make up what mental toughness is and uh, different ways that you can apply it to your life and your game because it's a good blend of uh the player and the person of how both sides of you can grow in your mental toughness so i wrote i broke it down in an ebook the mental toughness playbook the whole ebook is about 50 pages, a little less than 50 pages, easy to read, a simple breakdown of what mental toughness is, different factors and different areas in it that impact your mental toughness and uh, how you can grow and develop in there. So if you're interested in it, it's in the uh, description below. So go ahead and look in the, uh, hit that link and invest into yourself by investing into your mindset and mental toughness. Because I personally believe that uh, your, your brain and your mind is so much powerful then you give it credit. So if it's into your mindset and then your body will follow afterwards. So the mental toughness playbook, hit the ebook below. Uh, if you tune into it, thank you. I appreciate it. If not, it's fine. Get back to the rest of the episode. See you later. And I'm glad we brought up doors because that made me think about another thing too. Is like um, the tweener was also a curse smart for guards because you look at how uh, AI is the perfect example. So. <laughs> Guys basically labeled as six foot, maybe six one, but he's really like five ten, five eleven. And so, 
point guards back in the day will pass first. You you run and set up the offense. You're the coach on the floor. You scoring ten points, but you got to have ten assists. So you're a defensive guy, or whatever. The the John Stockton, the Andre Miller, the Eric Snows. You're a defensive guy. You scoring anywhere from ten to eighteen points because the bigs are going to have twenty to thirty points, or whatever. Oh, you're going to be a great dynamic wing to be dropping points like the Kobe and Shaq duo. Right. But be a tweener at that position was a curse mark too. So AI kind of broke through that mode where he was like, well, he's too small to be a two guard, but he's scoring too much to be a point guard. So we just kind of work around what he can do. Gilbert Arenas was, you know, 6'3, 6'4. He can't really play two guard. He ain't big enough for that. But the boy dropping 30 balls like a like a, like it's nothing. So we'll let him be a main ball handler. Well, D Wade can really score and shoot the ball, but he got a point guard size to him. But he scores like a two guard. So we'll we'll try him at the one, but we're really gonna let him play two guard. Cause start off he played point guard, but they moved him to the two, you know, whatever. Right. So being a, a guard between it was a terrible thing too. Switch between four and five, that didn't matter. That that was irrelevant. You didn't care at that point. But to be a three, four, two, three, one, two, you better figure out something, bro. Cause anything else, you you getting thrown out of there. But then, um. <laughs> Going back to Dial, after he left the Spurs, he went to the Suns. Maybe think about the seven seconds or less Suns that he played a part in too. So the small ball became a factor during that era because Mike D'Antoni was like, we're finna run. So that brought in Sean Marion, ruined his thing, Amari Stoudemire, which also paved the way for more scoring guards, which paved the way for the uh, small forwards being sent, I mean, power forwards and power forwards being sent because Amari Stoudemire was a four. Played more five. Sean Marion was a three, started playing four. And D.I. was a three, four. I still don't know what he really was, but he played three, four, five, two as well. So that kind of play, played a big role into the game we have now, man. And uh, it kind of gets into, like, what I really want to talk about now is how each position has changed. And so I think for the center, like you talked about earlier, the bigs change. And so, like, Shaq was the premier center. Like, he was the – the, the the pinnacle of what it was to be a center for me growing up at least you know yeah was cool he was kind of up there too but like Shaq was the was the godfather when he was he was the Mount Rushmore by himself of what you wanted to have up a center because he right. he was untouchable like it's Shaq like he he's up here he's off screen then we start talking about other people down here so it's like that's whatever and so but he changed the game so much bro that. Uh, it's kind of blending to the next position of playing the four, but like uh, I remember hearing, I think it was Dirk saying how he was designed to play a four, I mean five, because he's seven foot. He was like, you know what, bro? I got this guy in Los Angeles that is a big train, a big mountain. I don't want to have to go against him. So how about y'all play me at the four and I stretch outside and y'all have fun with that. Figure out somebody else to play the five because I'm not going to deal with him every night. So Shaq bumped the five out a lot of fives out to play four and now fours had to be a little more finesse because kg and dirk and c webb and she started playing more that position and right. so i think Shaq is the reason to blame for part part of blame for we got the game now because we ain't got the big bigs no more but the, the bigs now can shoot because you know they didn't want to go against Shaq. so i think Shaq really revolutionized the game from the five down because he bully balled everybody out to playing the five. So uh, 
you know, just what you think about that, man, as far as, you know, the, the evolution of the center from our generation to what it is now? No, nah, that's an excellent point. Because, like, you know, I never thought about it before, but if I came in the league at that time, especially like KG, KG, I feel like KG is a, pro- a perfect example. KG coming to the league straight out of high school, he probably like 16 get drafted straight out of high school. He looked like me. He built like me, 16, skinny, yep. long arms, all that. If I'm KG coming in the league and they talking about me playing the five and then I'm in the West, I'm like, well, you see, bro, it's a man down there in Los Angeles. Like you said, <laughs> it's a man down there in Los Angeles. He's pretty big and they got him playing the five. And I don't think me and him need to play the same position. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So, no, nah, you're absolutely right, though. Like, Shaq probably, like, I'm pretty sure KG said that, too. Like, he didn't want to guard Shaq. Like, he's not trying to be battling with, with them boys like that all game. So, you're yeah. probably right. And then, if we think about it, since since Shaquille O'Neal, so since the early 2000s, and, like, not counting today's, well, let's say like this, since the early 2000s, when was the last great scoring Back to the basket, big. I ain't talking about a big that can handle the ball, that can shoot, or nothing like that. I'm talking about keep catching the ball on the block, back to the basket on the regular. So since like the Shaquille O'Neal, Tim Duncan time, when was last bit like solid center that that score back to the basket consistently? I, I can't think of nothing either. Like, like, and then you know the game that changed now with like bigs can shoot and whatnot now. But like the guys who now, 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 now let's think about the other way. Since Shaq, how many four men can shoot the ball can spread the floor? <laughs> you got dirt, you got KG, you got um Pau Gasol. <laughs> like you can like it's plenty of beings that can like stretch the floor now because it's like yeah. I'm not dealing with that. And you know, I'm sure they can they came into the league being able to shoot, but mm-hmm. it's the fact that they came into the league. Finesse kind of guys, finesse players, and like not saying they ain't tough or nothing like that, because obviously KG is and all that. But like they were like finesse players on offense and stuff. Shooters could like get to their spots and jump. They not really back to the basket every play. Then man should kill me. Like nah, let me get the ball right here. Bump, bump, lay or dunk. Like yeah, folks don't want to deal with that, man. Like you and I can attest to it because like I can go back to the basket in my game. And that's cool, but you know, every now and then it'd be a guy 6'10, 6'11 walking in. And I'm like, well, when I catch this ball, I'm probably gonna face up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you know, so I'm pretty sure it's plenty of bees in the league got, got guarded by Shaquille O'Neal and was like, yeah, this is probably a face up kind of night. <laughs> yeah. So you gotta you make a good point. Shaq by the like ruin the big man. <laughs> He, he probably low-key did. He probably low-key yes. did to him. I'm just like, nah, bro, I'm good. But I'm glad you said that. When you, when you said uh, it was more finesse, not, to get, not that they were soft, but it was just more finesse. Mm-hmm. That's really when the Euro game started being implemented because Powell, Euro guy. Dirk, Euro guy. His brother, I mean, uh, Powell's brother, Marcus all Mark. came in the game. Yeah, he was a Euro guy. And so mm-hmm. you started seeing you know, dribblings of Euro guys coming in at the bigger positions and not to say they aren't physical, but they're known to be more skilled and more finesse. So the coach started seeing that and it's like, Oh, you guys can kind of stretch the floor. So we do more pick and pop. Louis Scola, we're going to do more pick and pops with you guys to where you don't have to roll because once again, 
we have Shaq and Kendrick Perkins down there that are just going to drop coverage and stay down there. Cool. We'll take advantage of it. We'll pick Steve Nash, come out this hit, flip it over, pick and pop, boom, go to work right there. So you work in high posts and, you know, short corners and stuff to where that stretched the game out too. So the bids weren't able to just, they weren't allowed to just, you know, be big and be in that block, you know, block the block was the, the dominant, you know, area for bigs. Dirk said, ah, you know, how about we stretch it out a little bit and we get out here? KG and Dirk was like, man, let me catch this ball, short wing, and I just, you know, pinch post, and I just, just bank board all day, catch, catch it out the glass, you feel me? So I feel like the foreign game coming into it, you know, you know, we'll be reminiscent if we didn't bring that into it, too. We have to because Tony and Kukoc stuff back in the days, it was cool, but Dirk and Powell, KG and Timmy really brought it to another level but the Euro game is really what add that next level of skill to the big man. Like they were skilled. Kim Elijah one, he godfather that, you know, was ridiculous. But right. it brought to another level because he was still low post, but it brought to another level when the European guys came in too. So that really pushed the skill level of the big man to that next pinnacle to where now we have the boogies and Joel Embiid's and Anthony Davis's and Jokers and stuff that our next level skill from what we had back then. But the influx of Euro guys coming in is really what pushed the skill level of the big men to the next level to where, yeah, you can't just roam around the block no more. We got to take a couple steps out and hit the high post, the pinch post, and the short corners now to add to the stretching of the game to where, yeah, Shaq, you look good down there by yourself, brother. I'm going to be a catch me at the elbow, bro. We'll see what you can do out here, man. So <laughs> that played a role into it too. And you think about it, like Shaq, I think – uh, another thing like with the big man, like I mentioned earlier, Shaq kind of turned bigs into like, hey, either you can scope or you can defend. That's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, like, that's where you get the Kendrick. Like, you got your KG, not give me Kendrick Perkins. Like, Kendrick, you go guard that big dude, and I'll be out here making sure we get points because <laughs> yep. Perk ain't give you too many points unless he's getting it out the you know, getting it out the mud, dirty work type points. You got your mm-hmm. Tim Duncan playing the four. All right, give me Nazir Muhammad coming out here. You play this five, make sure you feel me. The other B don't get off. You got Pau Gasol. All right, Pau out here. He floating around. He can shoot. He, he picking and popping. Cool. Buying him, I need you down here. I need you to I need you to mix it up with these big boys. You know what I'm saying? Like, because that ain't that ain't their role. That ain't what that ain't that they what they here for. Can they do it? Probably, but we don't want them to do it all game. So it's like, hey, you get down there, mix it up with him. I got dirt, dirt out here flowing, shooting. Uh, fading away, cool. Let me get Tyson Chandler. Get down here, mix it up with these big fellas. I ain't trying to do that. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so that that's kind of Shaq kind of changed the game into that. Like, okay, well, we we move. We gonna put our score at the four, even though he might be five size or built like a five. We he a score, so we are gonna put him at the four, and we are gonna get a big that can defend at the five. So yeah. Tyson Chandler going into the game, like, so hey, I know I gotta guard the biggest guy. Bonham going into the game like, hey, I know I got to guard Dwight Howard. You know what I'm saying? So, like, it's one of them things. And so that kind of just – that kind of solidified it even more. It was like, shoot, Dirk say he want to score. We got to get a big in here that's going to defend. Tim, we we want him to be able to score. We need to get a big in here that can defend. So that's kind of where it is now. And we see that now even today. If you can't score as a big, you're a defender. Like, the other big better not score. There'll be all the two options. <laughs> Either you score or he don't score. That's all it is. 
And if one of the two don't happen, you're not going to play very long. You won't be in the league very long. So that kind of way it is now. Yeah. And, like, uh, you asked the question of who since Shaq was a great low post scorer. Brooke Lopez is probably the last of that dying breed who was just a great low. He came into the game a low post scorer. Like, he was arguably the best low post scorer period like nobody else had the skill that he had but if you ask the 16 year old now think about brooke lopez or oh, he's a really good shooter you ask the 16 year old me brooke lopez is a great low post score ain't no shooting threes because you seven one 240 man you don't get your butt on that block and start going to work like you're doing a three-point line bro so that's another thing to change too and andrew bynum he's probably a bigger name but he was a he could do his thing down low post, but uh, yeah, that's probably yeah, the last yeah. two I could think about. Yeah, that's probably the last two that I could think. I had to sit down and think about it. I thought about Dwight, but he was he wasn't an offense threat like that. He ain't had no low post game. His was put back He's rebounds more, and pick yeah, and roll. more pick and roll. Yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't really catching it on the block, going to work type stuff. You know. Yeah, if he did, it was a a jump hook that he oh. was really just jumping over people. It wasn't like no skill work. It was just. And jump over you quick as possible. So no offense to Dwight, but watch the film. That's the best way to put it. But yeah, um, yeah, like you said, man, it, it was a game of enforcer. So you either had the skill big who could score, or a physical enforcer down low who would stop you from scoring. So I think it's kind of what the what the big has was back in the day, man. Um, that's pretty much uh, – you got anything else you want to add for the bids? I, I want to do centers, but we pretty much did centers and power for us together, man. So, uh, anything yeah. else you want to add to the bigs? Uh, nah, I think that pretty much sums it up, man. Shaquille O'Neal killed the big man. You heard it here first. Yep. Blank. Everybody can blame Shaq. He obliterated, you know, bigs being big. So, Shaq's fault. <laughs> hey, hashtag blame Shaq. <laughs> Get it trending. Hey. <laughs> Shout out to KD. Um, Shout out to KD. <laughs> but yeah, man. So Shaq is the reason why we started seeing the C Webs and Rasheed Wallace's and Pals, KG, Timmy's, and Dirks playing four instead of five, <laughs> man. Um, so yeah, he pretty much killed the twin thousand theories and all this stuff, man. So um that's the evolution of the big man. So not to get to the wing play, man. The the small forwards. We'll probably get into the shooting guards too, because that was kind of the the tweener thing back then too, man. But um so from back then to now, man, what you see from the wing play of the the threes, primary threes if you can just limit the threes, but two and threes or whatever. Um the three spot is kind of a, a different position. I feel like because I feel like in basketball to be labeled a small forward can mean a lot of things. Like a small forward can go many different directions because you are like the man in the middle. You know what I mean? It's like you might be a scorer, like even back in the old days, like you might be a Larry Bird, you might be a uh, a Doctor J, you might be a, a small, you know, a small forward that's a scorer, somebody that they depend on the score. Then again, you could be a small forward that they just like, hey, we want you to defend. Like you might be a lockdown defender. Like you could be a Ron Artis, you could be a uh, you could be a uh, Tyreek Evans to like. You could be a lot of different things as a small forward. Some people depend but depend on a small forward to facilitate a little bit. You know what I mean? So it can go a lot of different directions in that position. 
But I think the main difference between then and now is the small forward position is asked to facilitate a lot more often now. Like, back then, I don't think – like, back in the early 2000s, I don't think small forwards had the ball in their hand as much, nearly as much. Because, you know, you had point guards or you had scoring shooting guards or somebody. So, the small forward wasn't really expected to handle it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's why you got guys like the Boris Diaz that was like, do we put him at the three or the four? Because it's like – we really don't want him handling the ball like that, but he can handle the ball. So it's like, mm-hmm. what position do we put him at? <clears throat> but so I think that kind of comes in with, with more more uh, due to LeBron James, obviously. Because LeBron coming to the league and it's like, hey, just give that young man the ball. He'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a three, but he'll figure it out. But at the same time, the small four, like I said, the small force can go either way. Because, you know, even at that time, you know, Melo came in the league, same time LeBron, he a score. You had guys like uh, Hedo Turkoglu, that was a score. Hedo. Yeah, Hedo, man. You know, we, we talked about Hedo. Be uh, big Hedo Turkoglu fan. Uh, yeah, Hedo Turkoglu, who could score. You had um, – trying to think of one up another one. Like, there was wings that scored the ball back in the, back in the early 2000s. And then LeBron, I feel like LeBron was one of the few that was like, or one of the first that was like, hey, man, just let him run the offense. Like, mm-hmm. the first, one of the first true point forwards. Like, uh, like you know, even with like Magic Johnson, you know, excuse me, back in the day, Magic Johnson saying hi to LeBron, but they put him at the one. And, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't watch plenty of documentaries and stuff, but they was talking about it like, this guy is saying hi as our power forward. Like, we want to put him at point guard. They never even considered him being like a point forward, like put him at the three and just let him have the ball and nothing like that. It was like, nah, he got to play point guard. And so, but now we got guys like LeBron that was like, shoot, he not at point guard because technically we got a point guard out there. We got Eric Snow out there. He a point guard. You know, we got Mario Chalmers out there. He a point guard, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, we going to let LeBron run the offense. <laughs> Every now and then we're going to let Eric Snow run it, too. Like, Ron ain't running it 24-7. But we know he can pass. We know he got great IQ. We're going to let him handle the ball. So, and he's probably our best decision maker. So, I think Bron was, like, the first real point forward. And now we see – then we kind of see the LeBron effect of, like, guys handling the ball at that three spot. Because not soon after Bron – was Tyreek Evans. And you remember we thought people was thinking Tyreek Evans was like baby LeBron. And that mm-hmm. that did pretty quickly. <laughs> like that did not pan out. Then you had guys like you start seeing guys like Michael Carter Williams. That was like tall point guards. He didn't pan out. You start seeing guys like um Ben Simmons coming to the league. You know, now you see tall point guards. But I really consider that like the LeBron effect, because like if any, because you would think you know it might have been like some might say no, Magic Johnson was the first tall point guard. That's true, but they was putting him at point guard. He played point, like there was no other point guard on the floor. Guys like Bron and it was out there. The point guard was out there. They just gave it to Bron, like mm-hmm. let him run the offense. So I think that's probably like the biggest change in that small four spot. Solely that small four spot, the small forward running the offense, and we all right with that. Yeah, like uh, I think growing up for us and our generation, um, I just wrote it down to make sure. So 
you either had to do you only had three type of wing guys growing up. So you either had, you know, I hate to say it like this, but the most dumbed down position of a wing, you were a three and D guy. So you were like a Bruce Bowen type of guy, a runner our test later on in his career. Um so I can think about right now, but mainly like a Bruce Bowen was, was the primary thought of what a three would be. You would lock down whoever the star wing is, and you would shoot corner threes on the other end. That's it. Or you had more of a Sean Marion uh, type of guy, Andre Iguodala, who was like, well, let's, let's start. You might have started off as more of an Andre Iguodala type, who was just super athletic, and you just go do whatever, and you just you would out athleticize your competition. And you kind of morph later into being one of those other guys. So you either be so Andre Iguodala would have either pushed to be more of a Bruce Bowen, a three and D guy, or he'll push into being more of a a Scotty Pippen, where he's a little bit of a do it all guy. You know, so he would be a Swiss Army knife for Sean Marion, who would do a little bit of everything. Like he was a tweener, but a good tweener, to where you know he would score a little bit, he could rebound a little bit, assist a little bit. He wasn't necessarily a playmaker, so like you had you had a point guard who you'd be a primary playmaker, but you could bring a backup point guard in like a Leandro Barbosa who was primarily scoring, and you could count on him to be a facilitator. So he'd be a backup point guard like a Boris Diaw would be or Hidu Turkoglu to where Jameer Nelson was obviously the point guard, but when you brought in your backup point, whoever you had at the time, you would count on Hidu to kind of play supplemental point guard to still get the offense flowing and get everybody involved. And so right. Steve Nash takes him on the bench. Sean Marion still keep the offense flowing. And Boris Diaz keep the offense flowing. And so, so you either had your 3 and D guy, your do-it-all guy who would kind of be a Swiss Army knife. That was a huge turn back in the day, a Swiss Army knife of a wing. Or you had a superstar wing, which is your T-Max, who would be a 2 and a 3. Your Vince right. Carter, who would be a 2 and a 3. So you either had one of those type of threes back in the day. And now you still have that, but if you're a three and D guy at the wing, you're looking pretty bad. You have to be able to put the ball on the floor and score. You have to be a lockdown defender and a scorer, like an Andrew Wiggins now, the way you can handle the ball and do a little bit more now. So kind of how you said earlier, like it was a more clear defined point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center. And you kind of had some blurred lines between some players and some teams or whatever. But nowadays, it's just like you kind of blur between one, two, and three, three, four, five. Draymond Green, you know, so you didn't you you have a lot more blurry lines between positions. So I think the small four is, I think small four and shooting guard for the most part are the least revolutionized positions we've had in this era. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like from the early two thousands to now, we still kind of had the same same thing for the most part. Like, ain't yeah. too much change between the positions, but. Back in the day, you really had a 3 and D guy. You had a do-it-all guy. Or he, he was the guy. So that's the three main things you saw from the wings. A little bit of two-guard, too. But that's primarily what you saw from the wings. So you had your Bruce Bowen, lock down Kobe, go on the other end, stand in the corner and shoot. And you had your Sean Marions, who would do a little bit of everything. So he would defend a little bit, shoot a little bit. Whatever you need for this game, I got you. That's what we're looking for. You, you're the X factor. That your, your wing was your, your, was your huge X factor back in the day. Or he was a T-Mac, he would literally be carrying the team by on his on his back. So I like I feel like for me, that's what you had back in the day, man. Um, like you said, to now 
your wing is your like so Boris Diaw wouldn't be the backup. He will be the actual facilitator now. So yeah, you might have another point guard on the floor, but just as easy that Steph Curry can run the offense, Draymond runs the offense too. So you would have Steve Nash and Sean and Boris being your point guards now. So but that's the biggest difference we saw from you know from then to now in these past 20 years, man. But I think that's the biggest key that you you went from those three defined positions of the wing to where you amplify having a little more basically you have three positions but sprinkle in more skill that's basically what it is now and that's kind of how i see the changes or the slight change that we have from back in the day to now yeah i definitely see that like that it's funny you said that that swiss army knife iron was big back in the day like that was like a thing he, this guy's a swiss army knife he can pass he can shoot he can dribble <laughs> like but now that's like all basketball <laughs> yep everybody yeah, if you can pass, shoot, dribble, you're a good basketball player. <laughs> you're no longer a Swiss Army knife. So that's funny, but yeah, I definitely, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Like them, them three, that, them three like roles was definitely like the way back then for the wings. Now I feel like wings are more facilitators. Yeah, you, know, you see more facilitators now at the wing spots, not just three and D guy. Like you said, if you're a three and D guy now at the three, you like. That's not really what we're looking for a lot of times, unless you got a, like a, a Kobe, Bradley Beal like type of score. Because yeah. like when I think about three and D guys at the three, I think like Jay Crowder. I give you Jay Crowder. He's still a PJ Tucker. PJ Tucker. Well, a lot of people putting PJ Tucker as a four now, like four, sometimes five. Like if they going small. Yeah, he a three four man. I don't hit thing. Man, six six, bro. That's a, that's a three and D guy to win, bro. Stop put stop GMs and coaches. Please stop putting PJ Tucker at six six. I think he really like six four to be real with you. He ain't on from six six to six four. Stop putting him at the five. Stop. Man. Just stop. Bro. When, when, they played, when they played the 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 Nets in the finals, not the finals, the playoffs, and he was going KD. This man will go at KD, KD towering over this man. I'm talking about he was, it was one of the things like PJ Tucker putting his head on his chest like this, guarding him, and KD standing up straight in here, like right here. Like, you know, PJ bent down, but like PJ Tucker's head almost like at this, like he, his head at this man's chest. And KD just mm-hmm. waiting on the same amount of ball so he can go get it and cook this dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> no offense to PJ Tucker. <laughs> yeah, no offense. But yeah, I think a guy like that, Jay Crowder, PJ Tucker. You can say Jimmy Butler, but Jimmy Butler is the guy. Like he a defender, but he he can score too. He the guy. Yeah, it's more it's more guys at that three spot now than I feel like it was back in the day. Like mm-hmm. the guys at the three: LeBron, KD, Jimmy Butler. Uh, shoot, I can really say Anthony Edwards. He a two three guy. You know, he go in between stuff like that. So I feel like the three man is one of them guys that's like. Like it's funny because like the three can be anything. He can be the best player. He can be the best defender. He can be the best passer. He could be a lot of things at that three spot. So it's just like uh, you 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 got to see which one you got at the end of the day. You know what I'm saying? It's funny. Yeah. But that is yeah. the biggest evolution at that spot, though. Yeah, like it ain't changed too much, but I think it's it's interesting to see how like for the past. 
maybe 10 years, maybe like the whoever we we have a discussion of the best player in the game, the top five in the game. The three names that has come up is usually one of those positions or three three names that'll come up are from that position. LeBron, Katie, and Kawhi. Like the small forward was really running the NBA to be real for real. Maybe five years, maybe. I'm I'm kind of stretching it, so but you you pushing six seven really? You ask me. Yeah, so maybe seven years ago thing. was 2015. LeBron no more playing. Yeah. You know, LeBron still in Cleveland. And then 20 that's when they fought, they started having their finals runs with the Warriors. But you know, Kawhi and them had just won in 2014. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Yeah, Kawhi went in 2014. Then Cleveland went to the finals and lost, you know. But, you know, they, that's when Kyrie and Kevin Love were hurt. And then Braun won. Then KD went to the Warriors. It was KD the next two years. And then Kawhi mm-hmm. got another one. So, yeah, you about right. Like, it, it really pushed the 6-7 that the, the, the three-man has been running the lead. And then Giannis, like, a four, three, four. Like, they count him as a four yeah. now. But when he came to the lead, he was kind of, like, at the three. So if you count Giannis, you that's even more now. So Yeah. I didn't think about Giannis, but yeah, like the, the small four is really been running the league. Like, of course, Steph Curry is he's he's the best player in the game, too. Of course, you yeah. throw in James Harden had a couple years, Westbrook had a couple years, but mm-hmm. primarily at far as positions, the small four is running the NBA. The point guard's cool, but Steph Curry's pretty much had a position locked down for the past. 10 years, let's just say. Like, I love Kyrie, love Dan. You know I'm a Dan guy, I love Westbrook, but he's been running the point guard position. Like, when we talk about best players in the game, the only guard who's been mentioned is Steph Curry. Like, you might have a year Westbrook was mentioned. You might have a year James Harden was mentioned. But Steph Curry, especially when healthy, night in, night out, is in that conversation. You know, Biggs, Dwight was in the running back, you know, a long time ago. After that, we had uh, Anthony Davis. He's always been a – don't get me started. I love Anthony Davis, but that man's ne- never been a top five player since he's been in the league. I love him, but stop playing that discussion. Like, talent, yes. Player, no. He just couldn't stay healthy to follow through on that. But anyway, we had Anthony Davis, uh, Joel Embiid, Boogie for a second before, you know, injuries messed him up. But, like, you could have a conversation around other people being the best player in the game. You know, people throwing joker in that conversation now, but – Consistently for the past arguably 10 years, it's been a small four position thanks to LeBron, KD, Kawhi, and now Giannis is taking over that lead. So mm-hmm. small four, I we can't we ain't celebrate it as much, but it's been running the game for the past 10 years, bro. Or close to it, man. So mm. right. but that but that's part of part of what we said. Like you either the guy or you a guy at that three spot. And like, yeah. I feel like there's no in between. You either LeBron or you Jeff Green. <laughs> you either KD <laughs> or <laughs> you either KD or you Draymond or you Draymond. You either Kawhi or you Duncan Robinson. You know. Yeah. And so that you you know yeah. that's just the, that's just the spot that it is now. Like you either the yeah. guy or you a guy. And so that's when that's why we got like shoot. If you want to be real, you can make an argument that we we you know that ain't what they're talking about. But 
you can make an argument that five of the top, of the ten best players in the league are small forwards. If you count Giannis as a small forward, you got Giannis, LeBron, KD, Kawhi, Jimmy Butler. So you could make a solid argument that ten, I mean, that five of the ten best players in the league play the three spot. Yep. So. And you probably could not make that argument for no other position. You know, you got Jokic and Embiid that's in the center spots that could be in top 10. You got Steph that could be top 10 or is top 10 for point guards. Shooting guards, you could go James Harden. Not, not really James Harden right now, but, you know, there was a time James Harden. And then who else, like, who else would you throw top 10? I haven't looked at the list enough to know right now. But, I think uh, the only – I think the only – uh, position that could be in that conversation is point guard. That's that you come yeah. close to, because you yeah, got Steph. True. You know, if we talking about like not right now, maybe right now too, but Steph, Dame, Kyrie, Kyrie. James Harden. If you count him at a point guard, yeah, spot. James Harden. Maybe it, dep- yeah, it depends on the position you want to call him at. Luca, I can't throw. I can't forget about Luca. Yeah, 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 yeah. Luca. Yeah, sure. Maybe y'all. Maybe y'all. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, point guards are the only spot competing to be like the best position yeah. in the league. And so, if we want to make it take it even deeper, people count Paul George as a shooting guard now because he's playing with Kawhi Leonard. But when Paul George was still in OKC and the MVP running, that would have been another small forward running the game. So yeah. that would have been six, like, because he was an MVP running. So clearly, he's top 10 in the league, at least at that time. So you're talking about three years ago. Now you're talking about a sixth small forward, top ten. And then Jason you, Tatum, but, too. Forgot about him. Oh, Jason Tatum, shoot. That's seven. That's seven small forwards. So, yeah. So, like, the, the cream of the crop right now is the small forward spot and the point guard spot right behind them. Yeah. And I don't know if we could have said that 10, 15 years ago. I think shooting guards and bigs was running the league. 15, mm-hmm. 20 years ago, shooting guards and bigs, your Kobe's, your AIs, your uh, T Max, your Vince Carters, your Shaqs, your Dwight Howard's, your Andrew Bynum's, the, the yep. Power Saws, the KGs, them guys was running the lead. They were mm-hmm. the guys. Like, there was no small forwards running the lead at the time. And yep. then here come 2003. This young man named LeBron James and another young man named Carmelo Anthony walk into the league, and it's like, shoot. <laughs> like, do you guys play the three? We got to get somebody in here that can guard them. <laughs> yep, yep. So, yeah, that's funny. I never thought about that. The small forwards are running the league. Like, yep. It's crazy. But, yeah, man, that, that's the biggest evolution in the small forward spot. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so um now to push to the two guards, man. Um wait, oh oh wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on real quick. I got a I just got a quick question for you. All right, okay, look, 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 look. So what is your goal? Like what are you going after right now in your life? Right? Are you looking to make the team? Okay, you didn't make the team, but you're looking to figure out how to make the team coming up. Or maybe you made a team, but you're riding the bench, and you're not playing like you want to. Or maybe you're playing a little bit like you want to, but you're not a starter. Or you're not finishing the games like you want to, or maybe you're the player, but you just you're just not quite where you want to be as far as recognizing your county, or maybe your conference or your state, whatever you're trying to be recognized at. Um, whatever your goal is, I want you to forget about that. Like put it like 
it, put it on the board or something, write it down in your phone and just put it somewhere and tuck it away. I want you to take that goal, throw it over there. And now I want to try a new one, right? I want to write P-R-O-G-R-E-S-S. Progress. I want you to make progress your goal. Okay. So take that big goal that you have now and take it, put it in your back pocket and just figure out how to make progress and work towards that goal. Because sometimes we get so caught up on the goal of the, the end goal of where we want to be that we don't keep working forward and looking working towards that goal like we should be. So every day I want you to wake up and figure out how to just make progress. How can I be better today than I was yesterday? It's the new tomorrow. The same as that thing. Figure out how can I be better today than I was yesterday. It doesn't matter how good you are or what you did yesterday. It's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. Your goal today is to make progress be better than you was yesterday. And so just if you, need, if you need a reminder about that, all I want you to do is to have a reminder. I want you to go ahead and get one of these hoodies or you get you a T-shirt. I got, I got a couple options for you. So get you a hoodie or a T-shirt just, just to remind yourself, just to keep it as a as a memento. to be like, man, today's goal is to make progress. My only goal is to make progress. Progress is the only goal. So if that fits you and you feel like you need to make progress to be your goal, go ahead and hit the link in the description below. And invest into yourself, invest into that reminder. Treat it like an alarm clock to remind you that you need to make progress. Make sure that you're focused and being intentional about the work that you have today. So progress is the only goal. Uh, hit the description below to invest into yourself. It's not about me. Investing into yourself to remind yourself that progress is my goal for today. So that, that's enough for me, man. I hope I didn't interrupt you. Get back to the episode. I think this position has... This is this might be a hot take, man. I thought about doing this for the don't kill me, but but I'm gonna just do it right here. Okay. I think the two guard has been the least great position in the history of the game. Least great. Yes. Let me, let me, I'm explain. I'm explain. Uh, so <laughs> we we kind of touched on this before, and this will make me think about this. So when you're listing the top. You know, players of all time, right? You, we did this with the Kobe episode, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. when you said you talked about Kobe. I don't remember what episode, but you may think about it. So, you listen to positions, right? You got Magic, Isaiah, uh, CP3, Steph, it, depending on what you call Steph, whatever, don't really matter, but Steph, John Stockton, Big O, whatever, Westbrook, point guards, small force. You got Dr. J, Larry Bird, uh, Pip, uh, Brian, Katie. You know, you can run off that list. Power Force, KG, Timmy, Chuck, uh, Carmelo, Malone, Dirk, run off that list. Fives, you got Shaq, Wilt, Kareem, Bill, Hakeem, David Robinson, Patrick Ewing. That you can run off that list. When you go two guards, Jordan, Kobe, D Wade, drop. Allen Robinson? Maybe. I get he get no ring or but. Okay, cool. Throw AI in there. Drop. I'm trying to think. Give me a second. Actually, you said Mike, Kobe, D Wade. That's the that's the obvious top three. That's the most obvious top three. Yeah. Depending on what you call AI, depends on you know it, that's the conversation to be had. But if you, let's say you throw AI to two, cool. Who's next? James Harden. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Okay, James Harden. But it, it started getting real. Like you see how you got to think about it. It's it's a very tough thing to do. So I feel like the two guard is the is the I forgot what I said, but like the least 
talented accomplished. position, most accomplished or most talented position in the league. Because, like, when you start talking all oh, the least great position, when you start rattling off of the who's who of the NBA of all time, Jerry West, cool, but you're not putting him above a lot of guys. He's talking about the all time, all time. Like, you can argue five of each position being the best players of the league, like Steph Curry running the game. Like, you can argue of, you can have a legit conversation of who's who with other positions. Shooting guard position is kind of like, eh, hmm. It's Jordan, Kobe, D Wade. Depending on what you call AI and Harden, you can throw them in that conversation too. But it's a drop off. I love AI. I love him. That's my guy. If you know me, y'all rock with AI. AI was a revolution. We talked about it with the hoop culture episode. Mm. But it's a it's a slight drop off when you talk about, you know, um anybody after him. Like Harden, I love Harden, but is he really in that conversation? I see it on Twitter all the time. Man, Harden, the, the uh, third best shooting guard in the game. Stop it. I love James Harden, but he's not better than UA. Stop it. Let's, let's stop that now. So it's, it's a drop off for me, man. And let's say you do throw them in there. It's it's those five. Jerry West, mm, like him, but no, I love Jerry West. I don't want him to come and try to kill me or nothing, bro. But it's, it's tough for me to really see the shooting guard being as <coughs> As other positions, because T Mac, what do you, what do you, what do you call him? Two or three? Let's say you throw him into two. Are you That's taking him top off. ten? It's the, you know what I mean. Like, I love T Mac, bro. He didn't. He was he was a potential. He was a what if. He didn't fully fulfill what he could have been. So I'm just like, what do we? So that's that's kind of my hot take, man. I feel like the two guard is the the least loaded position i can't find the right word but it's like the, like, like it's just a drop off when you're talking about the all-time greats man so uh i love the two guard i love ray reggie but it's like it's a drop off man like you got the top three a slight drop off the top five maybe six another drop off but every other position is just like boom 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 now you gotta drop off boom 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 so like two guards is like <laughs> <laughs> But, but that's accurate. It's like Mike Kobe, Wade, James Harden. <laughs> you got you got to think hard about yeah. it, man. Like you got, I got to man, let me pull up NBA.com or, or Basketball Reference or something because I got to sit here and think about it, bro. Like so, that's why I feel like the two guard isn't as it's not. It's no shade to who is at the top. I'm not saying that, but it's like the depth of. That's what I'm trying to say. It's not as much depth as the two guard. As the other positions, point guard, you can easily have a you can it's a real strong fight between who's the the Mount Rushmore of point guard, the Mount Rushmore of small forwards, Mount Rushmore of power forwards, and center. It's a very good fight between all those other positions. Two guards, one, two, and three. The the hard part is the four and the five. Right. Everybody knows it's Jordan, Kobe, D Wade. No conversation to be had there. AI, maybe what position you want to call him at? Jerry West, okay, cool. James Harden, where you want to call him at. But T-Mac, you can throw him in a conversation, but it's still a drop-off. Vince Carter, cool, but that's a big drop-off from him and Kobe. You know, D-Wade, it's, it's, a, it's a gap, man. So, um, I'm done for somebody trying to kill me, bro. But I just feel like the two-guard and the history of the game is, is the probably the least – has the least depth as far as all-time greatness goes. Oh, that's – 
that's a solid point, but like you, you, you done made a case here today because I'm sure thinking about it, like now, like it's because what my the first time I started thinking about, it, I was like, okay, how many shooting guards have won finals MVP? And I really can't think of none outside of D Wade, Kobe, and Jordan. Like, no other shooting guard in recent history at least, because I don't, I, you know, it ain't like I remember every single one. But no other shooting guard in recent history won a finals MVP because, you know, Jordan dominated in the 90s. The two years he wasn't in there, it was Hakeem Olajuwon. Then after he left, it was Shaq and Kobe, but Shaq won them. And then, but, you know, Kobe was in there. After them, it was Tim Duncan, Chauncey Billis, and then won in 2004. Uh, so, it was, yeah, so Chauncey Billis was point guard. You know, so it was Chauncey Billis, point guard, then Tim Duncan. And then uh, the Lakers Celtics went back and forth. So that was Kobe's. And then Paul Pierce won it for the Celtics. And then. Yeah, Dirk. Dirk was in there. Yeah, Dirk would be Then LeBron for two LeBron. years. And then Kawhi. And then, you know, they've been running off with them boys ever since. Man. Hey. You 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 got it, man. You got a case. <laughs> you got a case. <laughs> So I know I know if we we asked a couple other people, especially the old head, they had something to say about Jerry West. I'm not trying to be disrespectful to the old generation at all, but if you I'm even if you throw Jerry West in there, he still does not change my case as far as saying there's a huge drop-off once you get past the cream. It's the cream of the crop for each position. The cream getting pretty thick when we're talking about point guards. There's a, there's a good conversation to be had as far as the top five or Mount Rushmore point guards. It's like six, seven guys you have in that conversation. You talk about small forwards. It's about six, seven guys you have in that conversation. Power forwards, same thing. Centers, same thing. So, like you add, if you ask, you know, ten guys in the NBA right now to list your top five all time in each uh, position, the guaranteed top three, we automatically know the top three: Jordan, Kobe, D Wade. When it comes when it comes to shooting guards, now for the other position, you're gonna have a one person that's probably. Through everybody's guaranteed, like Magic's probably in everybody's guaranteed point guards, whoever. Small forwards, you're gonna you're gonna have a LeBron, Pippen, and Larry Bird. You're gonna have at least one of those three in everybody's top five. Shoot, they should be in everybody's top five. All three of them should be. You think about power forwards, Tim Duncan should be in that conversation somewhere. And the KG and Dirk are gonna be in that conversation. You're gonna have a Shaq, you're gonna have Kareem, Wilt, you know, Dream. You can mix and match how you want to do the fives, but you're going to have a guaranteed Shaq and Kareem on that list of your top five. Now, when it comes to shooting guards, them top three, the last two is, is I guarantee if you ask 10 NBA players, you'll probably get a different last two or five of them. So half of them will have the same guys, but it's going to be different people for each one of them. But I might throw T-Mac in there because he's probably the next best thing you saw in the wing position behind Kobe. Okay, cool. I throw AI in there because he was a two. Okay, cool. All the head might say Jerry West. Okay, cool. Yeah. You might throw James Harden in there. You know what I mean? But it's like it's a, it's a a core rotation of guys you're gonna have at other position. So as a two guard, just like eh, yeah, it's a drop off. So um, that's all I gotta say about well, that's most I gotta say about the two guard man, but. Uh, that's my little hot take, man. I, I kind of spoiled it for another episode. I might clip this whole thing and just put that as the episode, but you know, whatever. <laughs> hey, no, no, hey, boy, it was solid though. You made a solid point, but uh, 
I would say, being back on topic, I would say shooting guard spot is the least changed spot. You got two types yeah. of shooting guards, scores, three and D. The only types. Either you a Kobe or you a Tyler Hero. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, Tyler Hero kind of a score. But uh, either you a Bradley Beal or you a Tony Allen. You know? Yeah. So I feel like it had much change with that with that position because it don't need to. It's a shooting guard for a reason. It's labeled that for a reason. So you either a score or you a defender. A three and D. You got to be able to shoot though. Can't be a shooting guard. Can't yeah. shoot. Send the name. <laughs> but, unless you're Tony Allen. Unless you're Tony Allen. <laughs> Tony Allen was probably the only one I can really think of that couldn't shoot at all. But he had to play the yeah. two. But they really just had him out there like, hey, you guard or whichever one of these boys could score the best. <laughs> yep. So, <laughs> so yeah, you got your Tony Allen's. But uh, yeah, I haven't had much really change with that spot. Maybe that's why. You know what you said is going on. Like they at least accomplished because not much has changed. Ain't much gotta change. Like hey, either you can mm-hmm. score or you can defend. So then you naturally you got the best scores. You got your Mike, D Wade, Kobe, and then after that you know you got your James Harden, your AIs, your T Max that can score, but on a little bit lesser tier than them three. So now it's like separating them a, a good bit, but. Mm-hmm. But still, had much change. Scores, 3 and D. That's all you got at that two spot. I feel like the only thing I probably would add is your shooters. You know, and I think that's also what hasn't changed because you got 90s, you had the Reggie Millers, um, UConn boys. You think about Ben Gordon, Rip Hamilton. You know, you come off basically the Clay Thompsons. The Clay Thompson could fit from now to the 90s. You could have a, a Duncan Robson fit from now to the 90s. You're going to have them run off screens and all that kind of stuff it hasn't changed since the, the 80s and 90s, really. So mm-hmm. that's why I feel like that's the least progressed position that we've had. The only difference I say we had is that either A, those guys like a Clay Thompson who would handle the ball a little bit more. That's pretty much it. The guys who, like a Bradley Bill, morphed into being who he is now, more, more of a scorer. Because coming into the draft, he was supposed to be a Ray Allen type. He come off the screens, he's a shooter. Like beautiful form, all that good stuff they were saying about him. I remember uh coming to the league. Now the boy a bucket. Like he a third walking thirty ball and shoot. He's leading score. I think two years in a row. I think he had like thirty four and thirty five. So he's a bucket, bro. But it's it's not too many other people that you look at just like you know. It's not too many other roles you see in the shooting guard position. It's you're a scorer, you're a Kobe, you're a shooter, you're a Rip Hamilton, Reggie Miller, Ray Allen type, you know, Clay Thompson. Or you're a defender. You're a Tony Allen. Yeah, you're a Tony Allen. So you score. <laughs> yeah, you're a Tony Allen. If you can't shoot, you're a Tony Allen. <laughs> yeah, I think I don't think people give Tony his flowers, bro. Because you think about certain like that that type of shooting guard. Like I can't name any. Maybe it's my fault that not being absent minded right now. But I can't think of anybody else on Tony guards Tony Allen's level of being a shooting guard who is really the defender. Like the mm-hmm. guy, Bruce Bowen. He was a three. Ah, uh, yeah, technically, yeah. So you can't say Ron Artest neither. Then you he might be right. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, because you remember when Draymond Green was like, "I really think I'm the best defender in NBA history" or, or whatever, and Tony Allen was like, "All right, bro." <laughs> <laughs> Tony Allen entered the chat, but I ain't never heard nobody say nothing. Tony Allen said on social media nothing till that day. This man, Draymond Green, came out and said he was the best defender ever. Tony Allen was like, uh, wait a minute. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> boy, I ain't even got social media to this day. 
time out. You you know my told down. I'm first team all defense, bro. Like this plan, bro. This man most viral clip is him diving on loose on the on the floor for a loose ball, saying first team all defense. Come and on, you know bro. that started song because people start saying that to him. Like they, you lock post the like up, you know, be like the first team all defense. Like dudes ain't playing for no team. This in the wreck. <laughs> Talking about first team all defense. It's only how they started that. That's culture now. Like they started something the culture. So see what I'm saying, man. Like Tony, we don't put up respect on Tony Allen's name, man. Put some respect on Tony Allen's name, bro. That's you, it. You, hey, no, you're right though. You're right. He he is like the defender, like at least in our generation. I feel like in yeah. the '90s, '80s generation, when they think about the defender, I think they think Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, because like them yeah. are like the guys. But now oh, today, Gary Payton, Gary Payton, kind of in that late '90s era, yeah. But then when you get to like our era, like the 2000s, 2010s, the best defenders were wings. And so that's where Tony Allen comes in. It's like now you got your Tony Allens because he got to guard a Kobe. He got to guard an AI. He got to guard a, uh, you know, uh, um, man, why do I always do this? I always name two and then blank out. <laughs> <laughs> you got to guard a Paul Pierce. You know what I'm saying? He always like, but Tony Allen is like what we think of as the defender. And I think nowadays, like the 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 guys now coming up now, like a younger kid, I'll be like, who the best defender in the league? They're gonna probably think of Draymond Green. Mm-hmm. So he got a case, you know, to be like, yeah, I'm the best defender ever. But back back in the days, it was like Tony Allen, first team all defense. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah, you you right. Shout out to Tony Allen, man. Get that man's respect. <laughs> Yeah, this is a clip. Yeah, we gotta post this one, bro. This this is a clip right here. We gotta post this for Tony, man. Like the grandfather, just the grandfather, the grandfather. I ain't heard that in so long. Yeah, man. So I think that pretty much wraps with the two guard, man. Uh, I didn't expect to talk about talk about Tony Allen so much for the two guards, but shout out to Tony Allen, bro. Like, <laughs> what Tony Allen said. Uh, you said best Excuse defender. <laughs> hold, hold on. So, so when he start, start spelling Tony Allen with a D, I didn't know Tony Allen started with a Draymond, bro. Hold on, bro. Like, uh, that's, that's wrong. <laughs> and then I remember the tweet he said, like, I don't remember word for word, but he was like, you ain't got no witnesses. Like, you need more people. <laughs> I was like, hey. <laughs> you know what you know when two people arguing and you don't want to say neither one of them wrong, but one of them make a solid point? You like. Like. <laughs> hey, what he said? <laughs> I ain't saying, but <laughs> and, you know, I'm like, hey, you just keep listening, like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you just keep listening after that. <laughs> that was me when Tony Allen said that. I said, sure. Hey, all you say at that point, like, sure, he ain't lying. He ain't yeah, lying. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm that dude when two dude, two people are like, he ain't lying. <laughs> <laughs> I just need somebody beside me. It's like, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's funny. But, but yeah, I think I think that pretty rest of the two guards, man. Yeah, man. So last position we got left, probably the most dynamically changed position we got, other than the five, man. We kind of touched on already. Point guards. Point guards have changed drastically. <laughs> yeah. I think um 
I think you have to mention if if you had to point pinpoint guys who okay the first two you think about revolutionize the game has to be Steph Curry and Allen Iverson that's hands down the first two mm-hmm. but I think if you had to throw other guys who were like um like like I just got done saying with the two guard like you think about all time best guys two guys from the generation I you know I had growing up were um uh, kid and Nash you know that's two of the guys who are top 10 point guards all time so and I feel like it's going to be tough for you to talk about today's game and not mention Steve Nash it's it's if you if you can mention the game without mentioning Steve Nash you're doing a disservice talking about the game because <laughs> Steph Curry was talked about as being a Steve Nash before Steph Curry really took off and if you really want to be technical, you still have to mention Steve Nash because that boy could shoot the pill off that ball, bro. He was just in the era. He talked. He talked about it himself. He was like, "I'm playing in today's era. I would be more of a Steph Curry type because he was the point guard was trained to be pass first, get everybody involved. It's a, it's better for you to have ten assists than to have twenty points. You feel me? So like I said about uh Tony Parker, he would have scored the ball a lot more, but the three ball wasn't as prevalent as it was back then. Steve Nash could have scored a lot more 30 balls, but he was trying to get 10 assists and get everybody involved and run the offense more. But you have to mention Steve Nash when you're talking about the point guards from our era and growing up, especially for today's game, because that man was a sniper, bro. Like, we're talking about lighting people up like this. He was probably, even to mention all time skilled players, I would throw his hat in the ring for all time skilled players. Like, he was Kyrie with the left hand. Before Kyrie was Kyrie, like his offhand plays were just as nasty as his right. The passing, I'm talking about hook passes, behind the back passes, pocket passes, finishing. Like I'm talking about the little mini running hooks he had, uh, off uh different legs. Like his left hand was ridiculous, man. So Steve Nash has to be in that conversation of all time greatest point guards and all time greats of that era, man. So, um. But I think you have to mention his name. We talk about, you know, the transition of that era. And, you know, a lot of point guards still look at look at his film and stuff to look at how to do certain things, man. So uh of course the obvious is AI and Steph Curry, but I think Steve Nash would have to be the third point guard of like who revolutionized the game. Cause he was part of Mike D'Antoni, uh, seven seconds or less, you know, era too. He was the forefather of what today's game is too. So I think, you know, Steve Nash is probably the, the other guy you have to mention for what changed the game to what it is now. Yeah, I, that's a fair point. Steve Nash led the league in three-point percentage, I want to say, at one point in time. Probably. He was playing. Like, something like surprised. that. <laughs> but, yeah, he's part of the transition that, that of point guard shooting the ball a little bit more. Uh, but, uh uh, but like you said, you got to obviously give the most credit to AI and stuff. And then, um, you know, with AI came guys like um, like we mentioned Gilbert Arenas. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like before, but even before AI, it was uh, Penny Hardaway. I feel like Penny Hardaway, one, one, he was per- mm-hmm. one of my personal favorite guys, like point guard-wise. I feel like Penny Hardaway was one of them great scorers slash passers. Cause you know he had Shaq, so he was facilitating, but he was a scorer though. And you yeah. know people was calling him, like the next Magic Johnson because he was tall. He was like six eight, something like that, playing point guard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But 
Kenny wasn't no Magic Johnson. This man was he'll dunk on you. Like <laughs> this man was getting to the rack. I used to love Penny Hardaway highlights. But um Penny Hardaway, I feel like as a guy that helped that transition. And uh I'm gonna throw out another name. I feel like kind of helped this transition. I don't know if you I feel like you you a basketball head, so you probably don't know, but a lot of our viewers might not know. Mahmoud Abdul Rauf. <laughs> you I knew you would know. But a lot of like if you in here, if you if you don't know that name, look up Mahmoud Abdul Rauf. I know that's kind of tough to spell, but spell it the best you can, they'll figure it out. <laughs> this this is another bucket at the point guard spot before his time. Like way before his time. So like athletic, fast, quick, get downhill in a hurry, you know. He was one of them guys. I think he was well before his time that people don't talk about enough. He kind of got eight balled in the league a little bit for some other stuff. But, you know, we don't get into all that. But, uh, yeah, definitely one of the guys that was probably, like, helping in the transition, I would say. So, you know, then you get into the early 2000s with AI. You get into Gilbert Arenas. That turns into the mid-2000s to 2010s of Derrick Rose. Then you got your John Walls, and then your Russell Westbrooks come in. And then now you got a league full of guys like that. Then, you know, Steph Curry comes in and, like, changes the game, you know, to just mm-hmm. point guard and all out, like, every level score. You know what I'm saying? Then you, now you got your Stephs, you got your Danes, you got your Trey Youngs, you got your John Morants. You got guys like that. They make it to where, like, a guy like Ben Simmons who can't shoot, just like, oh, we don't even want to put him at the point. We want somebody who can score to handle the ball the most. Like he, the guy with the ball in his hand, the most got to be a scoring threat. So that's when a guy like a Ben Simmons becomes like hard to play. Now we're trying to t- play him at a different spot. That's why you see Kyrie playing the point. Ben just you know Ben still in the lineup, but Kyrie technically the point guard because the guy we want the ball, the ball with the ball got to be in a better scorer's hand. Ten nine times out of ten. So that's why you see that. So. I, that, that's kind of where the, the transition was. Them mm-hmm. guys, such great scores, like it made the lead change. It was like, hey, if you don't let this man handle the ball, who gonna handle it? We can't put him off yeah. the ball. That's his game. It's like let this dude handle the handle the ball. Let him handle the offense. He gonna make the right decisions. He can score the ball, and then we run offense through him. And so that that's kind of where it went. They forced mm-hmm. the lead to change. It's like, man, I need the ball. Not these other boys that can pass. <laughs> yeah. Like, because, you know, back then, that's what the point guard was. The point guard was a facilitator. The point guards was Rondos, Jason Kids, who had a scoring ability, but they was facilitators. You know, that was the point guard spots back in the days. But now it's like, we want the ball in the hands of somebody who is scoring threat. Like, every position. If you ain't a scoring threat, then you almost hurting the team. We would rather – and I, I feel like that's what you see, Le, like, that kind of helped LeBron's case. It was like, who's really a better scoring threat, LeBron or Mario Chalmers? Uh, let's let LeBron run the offense. And he good enough to make the right decision. He's smart enough with his IQ to make the right decision and not turn it over. So it's like, get LeBron. Let him run it. Let him run it. <laughs> so yeah. I feel like that's what the evolution of the point guards, how that – that's I feel like that's how that went. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned D-Roll because I'd be reminiscent if I didn't bring him up too. He's right there. He's right there with Nash as being like the third guy that really changed the game because skill-wise, Nash brought the game to a whole other level. Like 
the stuff that players are doing now being, you know, ambidextrous, like step, step, if you, I promise you, bro, if you did a highlight breakdown of Nash and, and Steve, I mean, uh, Steph Curry, I'm going to say Steve Curry, and uh, Steph Curry, Steph Curry is really just Nash on steroids. Like he's just Nash, but more shooting. That's pretty much all it is. Like I give Nash, of course, the nod with passing. I'm giving it to Nash, but like, you know, it's pretty much Nash, but just amplify of the shooting. That's really all it really is. You know, we go into details, you know, nitpicking stuff in there, but for the basics of what the game is, that's kind of what the, the thing is for them. So, but D Rose took the athleticism of the point guard to a whole nother level, bro. Like, you know, you, you look at the Steph Marbury's and the, the franchises and, you know, uh, the guys of that era who were just, you know, the 6'3 guys who were pretty athletic and the Kevin Johnsons and stuff, you know, they're bang on the big and stuff. It was cool, but Derrick Rose was, was oh, my goodness, bro. Like, that's that's why our generation loved D. Rose so much because what they did was cool, but what he was doing was cold. Like, oh, my goodness, bro. Like, we had never seen nothing like it. And we never will again, bro. Like, I think he's one of them aliens that we just – you can't replicate, man. I love Ja, but he was not D-Rose, man. Like, oh, my goodness, bro. I love Ja. Like, I think Ja <laughs> cold, but he fits in that uh, Grant Hill category of, like, what if, man? Like, Penny Hardaway, the, the what ifs. So, I just feel like you can't – I'll be I'll be reminisced if I ain't bring up D-Rose as far as, like, the third guy to really change the game for that era, man. But, like you said – uh. You know, the point guard was, you know, pass first. It shifted because the AI was like, man, you like two foot tall, bro. You can't be no two guard, but, you know, we got to get the offense going some kind of way. So here you go, Eric Snow. You you run the point and AI, you do what you do. We'll figure out the rest. You know, we just put defenders around you and we'll cook. And that's kind of what shifted the mold for point. If you're going to have a scoring point guard, AI was what the Larry Brown did with the 76ers uh, was the layout for pretty much the 2000s of a scoring point guard. Okay, you're going to score. We're just going to put defenders around you and a point guard with you so everybody can get involved. And Westbrook kind of fell into that mold of what they wanted to do with him because he was playing with – ooh, I forgot the point guard's name. But he had a couple different point guards at some point to where Russ was the two guard. Mm-hmm. If you remember when uh, James Harden was there, James Harden came off the bench and he was the point guard. Westbrook was primarily the two. And KD, Jeff Green – yeah, Serge Ibaka later on, all that crew, you know. So, uh, the point guard really became that dude. The transition over that time. So I think D Rose. Like, it's really like from 07 to like 09 draft the guy because D Rose was like 08. I think Curry was like six or seven. I think of that draft. Wall was like 11. But that era of guys was just really what changed the game to be pass first to primarily shoot first, and it became accepted during that time because Gil was shoot first, but it wasn't as accepted. So you still had to average, you know, maybe 18 to be cool as a point guard, but Gil was involved. Gil was like, I'm going to average 25, and y'all figure out the rest of that stuff over there. I'm going to get my four five assists. You figure out other little stuff out over there. So whoever getting the rest of them assists, Larry Hughes, he, he defending, and y'all can – y'all that's cute. I'm going to get my 25 to 30, and – you catch those out the rim if I miss. So that's kind of what <laughs> – so uh, AI had to crawl so Gil could walk. So now the rest of these boys running. You see Steph Curry take off running sort of thing. So that's kind of what the point guard position was, man. So, 
yeah, that's that's been an interesting change of um evolution of the point guard, bro. But that's been the most dynamic and most you know flipping of of positions besides the, the power forward slash center position, man. So that's point guards are crazy right now, man. Yeah, cream of the crop right now. We mentioned it. <laughs> they the cream of the crop. Small fours and point guards. They running in the league. If it wasn't for Joel Embiid and Nicole Jokic, we wouldn't even be talking about centers no more. <laughs> like, That's true. Yeah. Joel Embiid, Nicole Jokic, and then who? Rudy Gobert? DeAndre Ayton? I throw DeAndre Ayton in there. But uh, point guards and small fours running the league. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I think one more thing that uh, really shifted the game. So I think about it earlier. We're talking about the small fours, like the athlete. Being an athlete became a position almost in itself. If you were athletic enough, we'll figure something else out. You know, that that became a thing during our era, too, because there's so many guys who are just like, man, you're just super athletic that we'll figure something out as you go. We'll get the skill as you go. So, man, you you six, eight, six, nine, seven foot with just crazy athleticism. You can you can play a position and we'll just get build the skill as we go. So you might have a. Not saying Andre Godala wasn't a skilled player, but you know that. Oh, that that made me think about it too. So you have a lot of wings, like three fours, which is super athletic. They be dunk contest type of guys, and they're just super athletic. But they didn't have the skill as much to really lock down in people's position. And so, True. like a Richard Jefferson, who was just super athletic, they, you could you could play the game cool, but you you you're too athletic to not have on a game. Like you're you're too athletic to pass on. But now it's like you have to be a super athlete, and now you have to have a foundation of skill level. So that's where the Ant Man comes in, Anthony Edwards, to where I got that generation's athleticism with this generation's skill come together, which is why he's so crazy. So yeah, you you had the guys back in the day who were just super athletic, but you came in with super low skill level. You could hoop, but like, can we put you on organized basketball and produce? Not as much running the floor, running the game, running gun cool because that's what's popping back in the day but nowadays it's like we're gonna blend it to where open the floor we're running zion you perfect let's run cool half court ah sit on the bench bro we gotta put uh tony allen in we're gonna lock, lock up right quick <laughs> so that's that's kind of what the game was back in the day man like you you could you could out athlete people up until an extent you know after a couple of years it's like okay bro look that skill clock ticking now. What the skill looking like? Unless you just Dwight Howard and you just can ridiculously out athlete people, you had to have some skill, man. But I think that's nothing that changed too to where now you see a lot of guys who are now just super athletic and stuff, but their skill isn't as much, but it's better than what you had before. But the IQ was better back then, so you didn't have to be as skilled, but the skill came later. So that's nothing I saw too where you could be drafted basically as an athlete and we'll train the skill later. Versus now, you're super athletic, and we can produce some level of skill to come along with the two. So, uh, that's 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 probably my last thing I think about the evolution of the game. Oh, now I got one more thing, but any comments on that? (laughs) Oh no, you got right, man. I feel like athleticism is the new hype. Now people used to be like, "Can't coach hype." Now it's more about athleticism. I can't coach somebody who can drive down the lane and do a windmill three (laughs) sixty. So yeah. I can give them, I can give them skill later, but right now we're gonna build on that. But, but what's the next point? 
I, I was thinking about this too. Uh, when we talked about with Shaq, like Shaq moved the big man from the block to the short corner. But Steph Curry said, There ain't enough room for me, bro. Take them bigs all the way out to the corners. So now it's like you can blame Shaq for making the bids go from from the from block to block to the short corner and wings. Steph Curry said, Man, give me all the floor. I need I need y'all all the way out. So if your big was gonna be on the floor, he could not afford to be anywhere short of you know the three point line. Cause he, he took that dynamic duo of the, the twin towers out the way. So Shaq said, now nah, you gotta have one of them on the floor. Forget all that. Spread the floor out. Steph Curry said, man, take both of them out, bro, and we finna run, and I'm finna shoot. <laughs> so get both of them out there. Hey, Kobe Bryant. Hey. Woo, woo. <laughs> both of them. <laughs> get Powell and Gasol. Get Powell, Gasol, and Andrew out the way. Both of them gone. Move them. So. <laughs> Crash when I shoot. That's all I got to do, everybody. <laughs> yeah, I think that's another thing, too, man. So, uh, Steph Curry really revolutionized the game, man. So, we can blame Steph Curry and Shaq for killing the big man. But that's, that's basically what we, it will be, uh, summarize the episode as. Yeah. That's about to tell the story, for real. When you tell the story of basketball, Shaquille O'Neal killed the bigs, and Steph Curry put the nail in the coffin. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all watch out. Us point guards got it from you. <laughs> now you got – now all your big Steven Adams is in Hassan Whitesides and, you know, Bam out of Bios. You got your occasional Carl Anthony Townses and uh, Christoph Porzingis and stuff like that, DeAndre Ains. But for the most part, now nah, boy, watch out. <laughs> I got it. But man, that's all I got on it, man. Is there anything else you want to throw in there before we get on out of here? Man, as soon as we get done, we think of something else, bro. But that's all I got for right now. But that, I think that's <laughs> it's, it's almost every episode, man. But um I think I was thinking about this in the middle of it, man. I think this is a needed thing because you know a lot of old generations don't break down their generation and what kind of culminated to what happens now. You feel me? Mm. So a lot of coaches be like, man, do your research and study about uh what uh John Paxson did, whatever. And it's like John Paxson, bro, like what? Like, John on, Paxson. Bro. like he cool, but like, what are you doing here, bro? Like, I'm pretty sure people don't even know who we're talking about now, but like but I think this is this is a needed thing because sometimes you don't need the history lesson, but sometimes it makes sense because now you can start to piece things together of what happens. Like, if this happened, then this is why this happened. This is why this happened. So, like we just said, we blame Shaq for why the bigs went from the five to the four. And I blame Steph Curry for the bigs going from the four to the bench because that's just what the game happened to. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, man, I think this is a needed thing, man. This is a, uh, it's kind of cool, man, to see the, the evolution of kind of like a mini history. There's so many players that we we didn't mention and give enough talking about, too. But, you know, this is a quick little uh, hour and a half rundown of, uh, you know, a mini history lesson from the 2000s to now, man. But we could do a whole a month worth of podcasting about this alone, bro. But um, this is kind of a needed thing, man, for people to kind of like, with the younger generation, get a better concept of the game to like fully – or get a better grasp of what happened to the game and how 
what happened now isn't just some random thing. It's a, a cause and effect of stuff that we had from this generation before, man. So uh, this is kind of fun to kind of reminisce on a little bit too, man. Think about the game different angle, man. So, um, yeah, man. I think that, that should wrap it up for it, man. But that's it for me, man. You close it out if you got anything else. I think I'm good, bro. Like, <clears throat> like you said, I think it's good for younger hoopers to know where the game comes from, not just where it is and where it's going. You gotta know where the game comes from. My daddy said it. You gotta know where you come from to know where you're going. So that's kind of what this episode is about. Just so y'all know where we come from, because where it is now, we ain't come out. Of, we ain't come from this. This is what it is now. So we we kind of rolling with it. My daddy complained about it all the time. I ain't gonna try to be him, but you know, 20 years from now, I don't know. We'll see. But that does it for us here at the B-Ball Jones Podcast, man. We appreciate y'all for listening. Hope y'all enjoyed this episode. You know, just touching on a little bit of our, our knowledge of the game from where we started. I started point in, you know, in basketball in the early 2000s, moving into the 2010s all the way up until now. Hope y'all enjoyed that little take, man. Be sure to like and subscribe. And be sure to comment down below, you know, anybody we may have missed, anybody you feel like may have changed the game, anybody you feel like aided in, you know, the transition of the evolution of basketball. If we missed anybody or anybody we threw in there that y'all think didn't belong in there, you know, feel free to comment down below. Let us know what y'all think. But, um, you know, we always welcome those comments. We, we always check them, man. So we appreciate that also. Be sure to follow Brian on all social medias at B-Ball Jones. That's B-E-Ball Jones on, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and on TikTok. So be sure to go check him out over there. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at NellieH34, at Nelson.Haskin on IG, and find me at my name on Facebook. Be sure to follow the podcast on TikTok. You see it down below on the screen. Uh, at B-Ball Jones Podcast. We've got plenty of clips up there. For y'all enjoy, man. If you missed the full episode, be sure to check them out and then go watch the full episode. But we, we really appreciate that also. <laughs> but yeah, go check us out over there on TikTok. <clears throat> but uh that does it for us over here at the B-Ball Jones Podcast, man. Once again, we appreciate y'all for listening. Hope y'all enjoyed it. <laughs> be sure to tune in next week for another great episode. It might be another little basketball talk, it might be a debate, it might be an interview. You never know, man. You just gotta check us out to find out. So uh Appreciate y'all once again, man. We'll see y'all next time. Without further ado, we out.